Let's begin this morning by reading in Psalms 19. You might have part of this memorized in King James. That might be what you're reading. I'm going to read from the NIV just for this portion today because it helps some things come out more clearly. Psalm 19, listen to this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from a honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive me my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of the great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is a picture of what is meant to happen as a result of interacting with nature. The psalmist looks at the heavens. He looks at the skies and the stars. He observes with his own eyes what is there. And it turns his heart upward to God. Do you think it's, it's accidental that our culture, everybody's walking around like this all the time? Not just kids. You go to a restaurant and notice who's on their phones. It's old people too. I see more, more baby boomers addicted to these than I do Generation Z. And I'm not, this is not the message. I'm just saying it. This is um, intentional. It's not accidental that we live our lives with our heads down instead of up. You know what is natural and normal? It's like when we get home and it's near twilight in the evening, we get our little girl out of the car, her eyes go upward automatically. And she says, look, Dada, there's the moon. She's been doing that since she was like one. It's natural to look up, then to say, wow, who could have made that? What kind of God could have produced that from scratch? And then for our hearts to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. You see, the psalmist here, he looks at the skies, he recognizes that there is truth being uh, preached from the heavens. And then he says, even though the skies don't have words, the truth of God is still going out. There, there's no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words into all the earth. People are supposed to be able to look up and outward and see the evidence of God. That's what is supposed to happen. And you read in Romans chapter 1, which I might, I might read a little bit, uh, but... I might not. I'll go ahead and tell you the gist of it. 
It says the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness because there are people who have refused to see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears and see the truth. And so these are two examples from Scripture. You should be able to see nature. It should turn your heart and mind to God. And Paul tells us in Romans 1 that people are without excuse because the firmaments declare the glory of God in His handiwork. There is enough truth of God in His creation to point your heart to Him. And some people get, get off on, you know, there's a scripture that says, how shall they um, preach unless they be sent? And how shall they hear unless they hear a preacher? It, 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 how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel? The, the gospel's important, but what I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's not important. The preaching of the word is essential. What I'm saying is, creation bears the thumbprint of the creator. The imprint of God's nature is in creation. So it's no surprise that the enemy is trying to twist, pervert, upend, and subvert everything natural. Let me show, I told Jonathan I need a prop. And I didn't tell Carissa. Can you come up here too? Would you mind? Now these, if you don't know, they're my cousins. I'm bringing somebody I'm related to. So, so nothing I say will seem out of order. Here, you stand over here. Do, do y'all know what this is? This is a man, right? Do y'all know what this is? Now, this seems funny. When you see a six foot three tall person with broad shoulders, a solid jawline, a beard, anybody who can see with their own eyes has no doubt this is a man. And when you see a, a beautiful woman who doesn't, they're, they're brother and sister, by the way. They don't look, I mean, they look a little bit alike. You, they have blonde hair, blue eyes. You might could tell they had the same parents. They've got similar DNA. What is this? Now, if they traded clothes, I'm, I'm being serious. If they traded clothes, would you have any difficulty telling which one was which? If he shaved, would it make it? No. Now, I could bring up, thank you, you can, you can, I could go on and on, but they're shaped different, they look different, it, you can tell. Now, I could, I could bring up different size people. I could bring Brother Joe up, who, no offense, Brother Joe, but he's about half the size of Jonathan. You would have no doubt that that is also a man. Now, that may seem ridiculous, but we live in a world where the enemy is trying to convince you, you can't believe your own eyes. I'm not on a political tangent, and I want you to understand, I don't want us to get into our tribal groups. This is not a matter of uh, Republican or Democrat or politics or politicians. This is a matter of truth. And it matters. All of these things in our society go hand in hand right now, and for a long time. And it is all about denying God His glory, making nature not be what it is. God made both of them, Jonathan and Chris, the way He meant to. He made him a man, no doubt. Made her a woman, no doubt about it. And if Jonathan got messed up and brainwashed by the experts in the world and decided he were a woman, it wouldn't make him any less a man. Would it? And he could go through the procedures that they go through now that are popularized, that are considered um, essential to mental health. 
And anybody in their right mind with eyes to see and ears to hear would say, Lord, help that person. He has a mental problem. I saw a headline recently that said, Tennessee Republican lawmakers move to ban gender-affirming care. I talked with some of the ones responsible for that and got firsthand, I mean personally, face-to-face. And they talked about Senate and, and congressional hearings where children who have gone through some of these And I'm trying to be careful how I say it because of children in here. Hopefully you understand what I'm saying. They've gone through some of these procedures that are popular now. And they regretted it. There was a beautiful 19-year-old young woman. I saw part of her testimony. She said, my parents and I were pressured into doing this quickly. Wonder why? Because if you wait until about past 12 years old, it's going to be very clear whether you're a man or a woman. They want you to do it before, you're, before it's clear. She said in her testimony, she said, puberty is a rite of passage into adulthood, into manhood or womanhood, not a disease to be mitigated. Do you know the medical experts? Many. And the so-called experts in academia, the ones teaching in colleges right now, Treat something God created, puberty, that's when you, you, it becomes clear that you're a man or woman. You grow up, right? I'm not saying you're not a man or woman before that, but you're a boy or girl. And then it becomes clear. No question. They've turned that into a disease to be mitigated, like cancer or diabetes or something. Not something God created that was good. And so this message today, you can tell what's on my heart to preach about. It's going to take more than one message. So this is going to end up being an introduction. I want us to understand and be willing to stand for what God thinks about men and women. What God thinks about masculinity and femininity. Because we're not in a world that's sane anymore. And some of you really realize that, and some of you maybe are in a little bit of a bubble, and if you are, I'm happy for you, because sometimes I wish I could not know some of the stuff I know. I'm not trying to be on a tangent. This is essential. Why? Because the enemy is trying to destroy our children. Do you know some of these people in their, in their parades? They chant, we're coming for your children. I could say the rest of it, but again, I'm trying to be careful how I say it for the children here. We're coming for your children. Why? Because if they don't steal your children and brainwash them and convince them to have kids, that lifestyle is going to cease to exist. It can't promulgate. Have you thought about that? That's why they need your children. And so it's no accident... I went back, uh, my mom was careful what she allowed us to watch, and I'm really thankful for that now. I, I told my wife a while back, I, I said, I want to see what this show was about. There's a show called Dawson's Creek, and a lot of people my age grew up watching that and shows like it. I never saw it. I wasn't allowed to. And then, you know, you grow up and you don't want to see it anymore. I started watching it and from the 90s. 
It's horrible. I mean, a teacher's doing something with a student that she should be put in jail for. And that's what the show's all about. And students are doing things with each other. And the actors are like 20, but the kids that they're playing are 15. They should be innocent. They should be allowed to experience life as God designed it, not the perversion of the culture around them. They're, they're being forced in this show. And here's what I told my wife. I said, that's really interesting. Back then, you know, we feel like the 90s were sort of sane compared to now. But shows like that and, 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 and a lot of what was going on then that seemed benign, like uh, we should just love everybody, those sorts of things, be kind to everybody, which in principle is true. But when it's twisted into, you're not allowed to stand and have an opinion or, or else you're hateful. By the way, this message, it's going online. This is considered hate speech. Anybody listening and watching me, there's no hate in my heart. You can tell. If you, watch, if you see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears, there's no hatred. There's only love. And love is compelling me to speak this, but we live in such an upside-down, opposite world that this is hate speech. Speaking truth. But only a brand of truth that a particular category of people don't like. So, I was trying to get off on that, but, but this is not accidental. The, the media, Scripture calls our enemy the prince of the power of the air. I've said this before. It's no surprise that the radio is called airwaves and that these... TV comes through these digital signals going through the air. It's, it's not the prince of the power of the air. I'm not saying all television is evil. I'm not saying all technology is evil. I'm not saying that. I used a, a computer to type out some of the notes and scriptures to stay a little bit organized. That wasn't evil. Here's what I'm telling you. There is a, an intentional agenda. It's, you can't mistake it anymore. And at the heart of it is to convince you and everybody else you can't trust your own eyes, you can't trust your own ears. It's like the emperor with no clothes. You all know that story? Um, do you know it? Raise your hand if you know it. The emperor with no clothes. That story, I want to restate it in case you don't know it, because this is the uh, heart of what I'm saying. In that story, there's a rich emperor... And all of his followers, the people, all the adults, uh, this emperor is convinced by a, a charlatan salesman clothesmaker type person that I'm going to make you the most beautiful set of clothing that anybody has ever worn. And it turns out it's nothing. He gives him an invisible outfit. And this man, this emperor is going through the kingdom and everybody's telling him, your clothing is so wonderful, it's the most uh, precious clothing and it's rich and it's just beautiful. And the whole empire is lying to them. The whole empire is ignoring their eyes, ignoring their ears, saying something that they've been told to say. And then a little child comes out and says the emperor is naked. That's what children see truth until they're brainwashed. There's no question that these two little girls up here, what they are, there's no question. And they can say something, but it doesn't change what the reality is. This matters. It's, it's important 
Because here's the truth. God created everything. This is what the Genesis account tells us. God created everything and it was good. You see in there this phrase repeated, male and female made he them. Or he created each thing according to its own kind. And it was good. And as I said earlier, part of that is because there's this imprint of God's nature on all of creation. All of creation points upward to God if you look with pure eyes and listen with pure ears. God's creation is not just one big glob of homogenous soup, but rather each tiniest aspect of creation is different from another. A lot of the insanity in our culture right now started with the state-sponsored push for evolution. That's, that's where it began. This is how we can deny God His glory. And how has it turned out for us? Are people happier? Are we better off? Are people treating their neighbor better than they used to? It's far worse. Because now you have an entire world in the West of people raised to be taught You happened by accident, you came out of primordial soup, and nothing about your life matters. Which is the opposite of what Scripture teaches. (laughs) An all-powerful, wise, and good, loving Creator created you intentionally with purpose to be you. Your life matters. And what you do to other people and to all of creation matters. Which one do you think is better for society? There is no absolute truth and nothing you do matters or you were created intentionally with purpose by a creator and it matters. Do you think this is accidental? It's not. The enemy has a long time to plan scheme. In Genesis we're told that he's the most clever, the most cunning of all all the creatures. And he's, listen, we have to sleep, we have to rest, we have to go to jobs, we have to eat, we have to take care of bodily functions. Our enemy doesn't have to do any of that. All he does is scheme and plan and, and, and come up with ways to try to deny God his glory and hurt his people, his creation. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what is going on in our society is theft, it's corruption, and it's destruction. They're stealing, and this is only one facet, but it is one that we can't be silent about anymore. I brought up Jonathan and Chris on purpose because I want you to see the absurdity and the insanity that we now have in our society where people are afraid to say what a man is or what a woman is. There have been uh, interviews where uh, somebody will ask these university professors and other so-called experts, what is a woman? And they genuinely, honestly answer. They'll answer with such confusion. And they'll say, uh, well, I, I, I can't really define that. They have a literal difficulty telling you. And I'm bringing up these issues because, to me, that's the most clear thing in the world. Especially if you don't have clothes on. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but there's no, no question God's creation, as I said, I want to get back to this. It's not just a big glob of homogenous soup. Each tiny aspect of creation is different from other. A tree frog's not the same thing as a salamander or a bullfrog. An alpaca is not the same thing as a sheep, even though they both have wool. An oak tree is not the same thing as a magnolia, even though they both have leaves. 
Light is different than darkness. Day is different than night. God's creation is comprised of many different and unique aspects. And let me say this. This is the context of the message that's on my heart. A man's not the same thing as a woman, even though they're both human. Now, any of you who are sane, and especially the older ones, I say that and you're like, duh, like, yeah, of course. Like, why, why are you even saying it? Listen, the culture around us, they struggle with this. They're struggling with how to even define a woman or a man. If I preached this message 50 years ago, it would simply be viewed as restating the most basic and universally understood truths by everyone. There would be no controversy about it. Everyone listening would wonder why I'm even saying it. Even 15 years ago, Nearly everyone would view it as simply restating the most basic and universally understood truths. Even 15 or 20 years ago, nobody really thought I could be a woman if I want to. It's silly. And if I actually think that, I need help. I I mean that not with criticism. I mean it with sincerity. Or I brought Jonathan. If he really believes that, we need to help him. But now we live in in the West in a culture of exponentially accelerating insanity. How much has happened in such a short amount of time? And I'm not, don't focus on the doom and gloom, focus on Jesus. But we still need to be aware of what's going on so we can stand for the truth. I'm not calling you your preferred pronouns. I'm not doing it. You know why? It perpetuates abuse of children. I'm not doing it. You know, when this started, I was an English major. I graduated in 2007. And in that time frame that I was in college, it was, um, they were transitioning from using first person pronouns to plural, first person singular pronouns, to, to plural pronouns. It, it's easier if you're writing to say they instead of one would. They would. And it, they were, they were, transitioning to, is this grammatically correct? Is it okay? Because a few years before, if you said they instead of one would, or he would, or she would, you, you get a mark off and get a lower grade. Because it's grammatically incorrect. Well, they changed that. It wasn't accidental. It seemed harmless. It seemed convenient. The baby steps. This will be easier for the students. It's really, we don't want to sound like Shakespeare. It's old-fashioned. Why would you want to do that? Let's make it easier. That seemed harmless. It didn't seem harmless to me. It upset me at the time because there was a spiritual awareness inside of me that this is part of a bigger thing. And that was the most liberal department in the whole campus, the the humanities. And I saw things. My family, I told some of them, this stuff that's going on in my classrooms, it's going to become mainstream in 10 or 15 years. It happened. It happened. And it wasn't an accident. When you take a child, used two kids went to school around first grade, maybe around seven years old. And before that, they spent all this time with their family, with their grandparents. They were raised by people who knew them and loved them. Then it became kindergarten, then it became preschool, and now it's, I don't even know what they call it. But kids are taken from their parents at two years old or younger. And the state or some arm of the state raises them. And tells them what to think, how to think, who to be. You expect somebody to make it through that? 
and not and not come out uh, twisted? How come so many children now are wondering who they are? Now, now there were there were some people who chose what, what used to be called alternative lifestyles years ago. I was aware of that when I was in high school. There wasn't anybody who wondered what their gender was. That wasn't a thing. Do you know why? It wasn't pushed. This has been conditioned into people. It's not natural. It's not normal. And they always bring up these obscure arguments. But let me give you an example of that. What is a human? Let's just use logic for a minute. What's a human? We can think of some characteristics. Humans are bipedal. They have two legs. Humans walk upright. Humans can speak and understand language. Humans are comprised of male and female, men and women. Now, if you see a person who doesn't have two legs, you don't automatically assume he's not a human. You think, I wonder what happened to his other leg. Something happened that shouldn't have. Maybe he got in a car wreck. Maybe he had a medical intervention. Maybe he was born without one leg because something happened that shouldn't have. But that doesn't make him not a human. And sometimes these people on on the other side, on the enemy's side, try to use arguments about people having unnatural body parts and saying, well, see, there's proof. They're not all male and female. Oh, yes, they are. Something went wrong. Something in the DNA was corrupted because of sin, because of what we're doing to the world around us, because of the pollutants and the environmental chemicals and all these issues. Something went wrong. If you see a human who's not walking upright, what do you assume? Somebody's crawling around. Something's, or they're a baby, right? Either they're not an adult yet, or something's wrong. Maybe they're in a combat zone and they're dodging bullets. Something's wrong. Maybe they can't walk. Maybe they have such arthritis in their back they can't get up. Something's wrong. That doesn't make you think it's not a human. If you see a human who can't speak or understand language, and you know it's a you know it's a human. Just because they can't speak and understand language, you don't say, oh, that's not a human. You say something's wrong. Maybe they're high on the spectrum. Maybe they have some type of, of disability, although you can't say that anymore. It's not politically correct. It's, uh, I forget, what's it called? It's some really fancy word. It's, no, it's a disability. There's something wrong. Now, humans are comprised of male and female. If you see a human that doesn't appear to be male or female... You don't assume it's not a human. You say something's wrong. Something happened. This is what your eyes see. This is what your ears hear. This is what God wants us to be aware of. If you go online and Google, what is a woman? Do that sometime. You adults, do it. Because high in your search results, maybe number two or number three on the search list, is this. A woman is someone who identifies as a woman. Many women are cisgendered. And this means the gender they were assigned at birth. The gender they were assigned at birth. 
like it's arbitrary and without reason and you don't really know. You know what? 50 years ago, a baby was born and people used to say, look. That's what they did when my daughter was born. Wonder what we got, because we didn't want to know. We didn't want to know on the ultrasound. We want to see what God gives us. We'll find out then. You know what the doctor did? Look. (laughs) And I wept. So much so, I was broken, and he said, can you tell what it is? (laughs) My wife, this is what the doctor said, and I'm weeping. I said, it's a girl. I mean, because I I was convinced that we were having a son. So much so, I... A little side tangent. I told my wife, well, she wanted to talk about names. I said, there's no reason to. Girl name. We're not having a girl. We're having a boy. There's no reason to talk about it. And then God gave me the child he meant. And my heart was overwhelmed. And I've told you all this. I felt a love I never felt before. I felt a feeling I never felt before. I, I don't even know how to describe it. There was no doubt who she was and who God gave to us. That's how it's supposed to be. What's this? It's not she had the gender of female assigned to her at birth. That just, you even listen to the wording? And then it says this, um, well, I don't want to read that part, but you, you just Google, you see what comes up. Now, I wanted to see what the dictionary actually says these days. One of the things, uh, if you Google what is a woman, the, the first definition you see in the online dictionary is an adult female human being. That's a pretty good definition for a woman. It's not a child. It's an adult female human being. So then you have to say, okay, what's a female? If you look up what's a female in the dictionary. Now, this is when it gets a little, they've got about ten different definitions. But the first one is, a female is um, an individual of the sex that's typically capable of bearing young or producing eggs. Typically capable. That's a pretty good definition. How do you know the difference in a man and a woman? Well, a woman has reproductive body parts that are typically capable of producing children. And if she's of childbearing age, I mean, this is logic we shouldn't even have to talk about, but we do. If she's of childbearing age and otherwise healthy and otherwise doesn't have any kind of disabilities, and she's not able to have a child, something's wrong. Right? It doesn't mean she's maybe not a woman. This is basic, basic, basic truth. The most clear truth. And in some ways I regret that we even have to talk about it, but we have to. Because the truth is, a woman is a female. A female is somebody typically capable of having children and all that that entails. And yet, the prevailing um, cultural narrative that is being forced upon all of us is a woman is whatever says it's a woman. That's why when I brought Jonathan up, I said, what is this? How do you know it's not a tree? Or a cat? Do you know some people think they're cats? They identify as cats, and we're supposed to regard them as cats. That is where this insanity leads. And I'm not using that word accidentally. I'm using it intentionally. It is insanity. And gender-affirming care, this is not kind or compassionate, it is helping somebody participate in a delusion that's harming them. When I saw that headline, I want to get back to this, and I'm doing my best, I'm not trying to rant, I'm trying to, 
say what's on my heart as a backdrop for these messages. When I saw the headline, Republican lawmakers moved to ban gender-affirming care for minors. I, I couldn't resist. I wrote on the post, I said, how about an honest headline? This should say, Republican lawmakers move to ban uh, bodily mutilation on minors. Because that's what it is. Gender-affirming care sounds really nice. But what happens is they give chemicals, the same chemicals they give to evil people who abuse children. And I'm, I'm still trying to be careful how I say things. And they cut off body parts. Would it be kind and compassionate medical care if you had a child come in your office convinced that they were supposed to be something else? And part of them being something else meant that they should only have one leg. Whatever they did. I identify as a, uh, a monopod. I'm not being funny. And they really believe they should have had one leg. Is it kind and compassionate medical care to cut off the other leg? So you can participate in their delusion. That's not kind and compassionate. I want you to understand, they, they intentionally, the enemy and his people, intentionally use these words that sound nice. Gender-affirming care. That sounds good. Unless you know what they're saying. They're saying a young boy comes in, thinks he's not a young boy, and you're going to go through unnatural medical procedures to reinforce this. Irreversible procedures. This is not like, no big deal, it's evil. We have been too quiet. We've been too quiet. I'm not saying you should be mean to people. I'm not saying you should be unkind, but if you're out in some restaurant somewhere and some person who looks like you're not sure what says, my pronouns are they and them, just say, listen, I love you and God loves you, but I'm not participating in that. I'm not. It's not true. It's not true. God's people are supposed to be a people of truth. And this stuff matters. What I'm talking about matters because it's one facet of a many-faceted attack on reality. They're trying to convince people that something's real that's not real. And it all really does start with what God created men and women to be and who we are supposed to be in society and in our homes and in the world. We're not supposed to be the same thing. I'm debating whether to say any more or to save it for a, a later message. If God doesn't change what's on my heart for next week, next week I'm going to talk about what does Scripture teach about men. I don't just mean gender roles. I mean, what does God actually say about it? What is a man? What's he supposed to be like? What's he supposed to do? What can you expect out of a man? And I'll tell you right now, if, if there's some people listening who aren't really sure if they're men yet, you're going to be uncomfortable. Our, this is what our society has done. I've talked to good, uh, well, well 
respected, good young men in their 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, more than one, lots of them. And I've said, are, are you a man or a boy? You know what their honest answer is? I'm not sure. Now, that might seem harmless. It's not. Scripture, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I used to be a boy, now I'm a man. There's no such thing as teenagers. I try not to use that word. And y'all, I've said that before. Maybe you didn't understand why. This is why. God created children, male and female. They grow up. They become men or women. And if because of the way society is, you're, you're at a certain age, you're in your, you're 18, 19, you're 20-something years old, and, and you're really... Like, these, these young people, they gave me an honest response, and I wasn't criticizing them. I, I don't feel critical about it, but they honestly couldn't say if they're a man or not. That's a problem, brothers and sisters. I don't know exactly what to do about it societally, but my more concern is spiritually. I don't know exactly when, but at some point, my daughter's going to become a woman. And we're already trying to teach her things that a woman should be able to do. I don't want her to be 25 years old and not sure if she's a woman yet. And, and wondering, maybe I'm still a child. That's terrible. And if the Lord blesses us with a son sometime, my primary goal with that child is going to be to make him a man. I mean that. Say, well, don't you want him to love Jesus? I want him to be a man. First. I, I, and we could talk about why if you want to. I don't want him to be a well-behaved child. I want him to be a... Comp- because here's something else society, you know, it's okay to be a man. But you need to be the sort of man a woman would be if she were a man. Do you all hear me? My wife and I, our relationship is it's, it's getting better, better, better. We are understanding each other better. We've only been married four years. And some of the breakthroughs we've had in our relationship have been surrounding this issue. Honey, I'm not a woman. I'm going to try to speak kindly. I agree I shouldn't use a harsh tone. I agree I shouldn't be critical. I'm working on it. But you can't expect me to communicate like a woman. I'm not. I'm not a woman. And in the same way, I can't and shouldn't expect her to communicate or to interact like a man. I shouldn't. We're going to get into this later in other messages, but this is pressing in my spirit right now. Um, sometimes I get a little frustrated that she's not tougher. But then, you know what? I don't really want her to be. I like being married to a woman. We don't butt heads. There's no... She'll tell you. There's no question in our home who the boss is. Really. I'm not mean. I'm not a tyrant. I don't mean that in a chauvinist way. I don't mean it that way. But there's no... When she married me, she joined my life. She started worshiping my God and came to church, to my church. There was no question. We understood before we ever got married, there's not going to be, let's go to your church half time and our church and the kids are going to be torn back and forth. No. And I don't mean that in a tyrannical way. I mean, God put in her heart, I want to find a man I can follow. That was in her heart before she met me. 
And when we were, were dating, one of the things I told my family and people who didn't know her and wondered if I'd found who I needed to find, I, I said, I found a woman who will follow me. Now, men, young men, that's a responsibility. And I've told her this. She, sometimes she says it just seems kind of like a double standard. You, you, you say things and then you don't expect the same thing out of yourself as me. And I said, look, I agree. I have a lot to work on. But I'm responsible for what you do in our home. You know that's part of the man's job? The choices she makes with our child, I have to answer to God for. She doesn't have to answer for what I do. We're going to get into this. I'll teach it from Scripture. This is why a few sermons ago I preached to the men, grow up, man, be men. Because, as I, as I get ready to close, maybe get a song ready. Um, this is men's fault. All these problems, listen to me, men. You could point your fingers at what caused it, where did it come from, but it's our fault because it was our job to stand for the truth and tell the truth. Adam was first formed and then Eve. Adam was not deceived. Eve was. I'll get into that in, in a later message. It was Adam's job to make sure his wife wouldn't be deceived. It was his job. He didn't do it. And we're all suffering because of it. And so these issues now, is there's something for all of us to do. And it matters because I'm tired of children being abused and it being called something trendy and progressive and happy. It's not okay. It's not okay. And we need to stand up, all of us. But the first primary men, we got to be men. That's what this comes back to foundationally. And most of y'all know me. You've heard me. I'm a pretty gentle man. I'm pretty tender for a man. I'm pretty, I mean, I'll cry easily. I'm pretty intuitive. I'm not talking about being some, like, big-chested, bearded jerk, right? Although I have a beard. It's not as nice as Johnny's. Uh, you understand what I'm talking about is not superficial it's deep and these things it matters brothers and sisters so I'm going to wrap up this effort today it might have seemed scattered it might have seemed odd I don't know that's, that's okay I did the best I could it's important and I want you all to pray for me as I try to preach more on this probably in the next couple of weeks. That's the message.